So we're in this vision builder season, which I appreciate is probably quite new for a number of people here. If you're new in the life of the church, you may not have heard uh, or been invited into our vision builder season before. But to be a vision builder is to bring an offering. It's to contribute to the vision, the building, reaching and caring through our church to the world beyond. And this is a house who sees its neighbourhood. And that makes me proud to be a member of Silverwater. There is so much love. There is so much mercy that has flowing through this house in our cares ministry, in our new life ministry, in a number of things that we're doing down at Auburn at C3 Cares. It's beautiful. This house is a house that sees its neighborhood. I love what Pastor Hartley said that this is a God who sees us. And because he sees us and because we, we know that God, we therefore have caught his heart and we now see our neighborhood. Amen. This is who we are. Who's proud to be a part of Silverwater, a house that sees its neighborhood. Amen. Now, I want to read this uh, part prophecy that was declared over me by a friend, Pastor Dave Gilpin from, C uh, from Hope City, Sheffield. And he said this over me, the gift of prophecy rides on the back of the character of courage. And you've got both and hats off to you. That you are here to upset the apple cart. You're here to upset the status quo. And that's not you interfering. That's you with gifting. That's who you are. Who you are is to turn things that are wrong side up and to turn them right side up. That's you. And so don't be a conformist. Be a revolutionary. That's what you're, um, you're called to do. Let Hartley, you, my beautiful husband, be the nice guy. Amen. Ha <laughs> ha. Now, I, I just share that this morning to say that I would suggest that vision builders are cut from the same cloth, actually. I would suggest that vision builders are called to write the apple cart. I would believe that vision builders uh, require courage in order to contribute and to do that. And they are revolutionaries. People that are aligning with heaven's purpose in this day, in this hour on the earth, are vision builders and they have courage. They're riding the apple cart. You know, the dysfunction in our society, the brokenness, the loneliness, the need for Christ. What we're doing is we're riding the apple cart of this world and we're coming in with courage. We're coming in as revolutionaries and we're agreeing, I see heaven's need to be poured out in this day and in this hour. And I'm in because I see I'm in. My eyes are full of of wonder at what God is doing through his house and I decide I am in. I will not be found passive. I will not be found disengaged. I will not be sleeping or slumbering. No, I'm aligned to the house of God. I'm a vision builder. I am in, in Jesus' name. Now to be a vision builder is to be prophetic. It's to agree and align with a future yet to be realized. It's to sacrifice and sow in order to see the future pulled into today. It's seeing this house filled. It's seeing this facility paid off so that this stake is secure in the ground so we can therefore go further yet into wider Western Sydney, partnering with our 11 locations across the city, see it expand into the 100 location vision that it is and go as a force of God across the city, go as a force of heaven's love across the city. It's prophetic. It's pulling that prophetic uh, truth into the now. It's making a reality now 
so that more can know His name, so that more can know His love, so that more can know His kindness, so that more can know His mercy and be bound up in it today. If anything I say resonates on the slightest level today, do me a favour and lift up your voice. Let yourself call out. Clap your hands in agreement this morning. I'm going to pour my little passionate heart out here this morning, but let me tell you, it's to your advantage to also agree, because I don't, I don't need it. My security is in Christ. I don't need it for security. But what happens is, as you agree, it's like your spirit leaps and takes a hold, and it becomes like a tennis match. It's like an exchange happening across the auditorium. So it's to our advantage to engage by clapping our hands and lifting our voice up. Who's in on that? Who wants to play a bit of tennis here this morning? So actually, vision builders, you know, to sacrifice and sow in order to see a future pulled in today. Vision builders are the pointy tip of the arrow. They are the forerunners. We are giving to something that is yet to be realized in the natural. We are the pointy tip of the arrows going ahead of the house of God and making way for the future purposes of this house. So I was actually ministering in in Hope City, Sheffield in the UK earlier this year. And as I stood in worship, I saw a picture. And what I saw first was actually like rope burn across the palms of my hands. And I saw that picture first and I thought, "What, what is that about? And then the picture expanded and I saw myself, uh, I saw myself holding a net, a huge catch of fish, huge catch of fish behind me. And I was pulling that catch of fish. I was moving and I could feel the weight and the resistance and the magnitude of that huge catch of fish, that huge catch of souls, that huge company of beautiful lives and people. And the byproduct of that was that it was chafing at my hands. I was getting a rope burn. As I, and this is a picture, it's a prophetic picture that I was experiencing in worship. God speaks to us many times through His words and many times through pictures. And as I look, I saw the chafing on my hands. I saw the byproduct of the effect of carrying the weight of his kingdom, carrying the weight of souls. And there is a byproduct. There will be an effect. And, and, you know, friends, if you feel contention around bringing the tithe, if you feel a chafing, if you feel, you know, even sometimes an apathy or a, a miserliness tries to settle on us to resist or contain our ability to give in bringing the tithe or even bringing an offering. And you might feel contention even around attending the Vision Builders dinner. You might feel like, who am I? I don't know anybody. I'm new to this organization. Well, can I, you know, many times there's a contention or a chafing or resistance when there is a huge, uh, a huge catch attached to it. There is a huge, and the reality is, you might feel that contention as you bring your tithe. You might feel contention as you entertain the idea of coming to the dinner, and that's because the magnitude of souls that get affected by your giving, get affected by a vision builders. Yes, there's going to be contention because of the weight of the souls that this house is reaching out for. And so, I want to encourage you: break through the contention, and you you might feel like, oh, I don't know about the dinner. I don't know if there'll be, there'll be a place for you. We have, a, we have a place for you. We see you and we have a place for you. So break through all those limitations and come and let your heart be awakened to the beautiful vision that is Vision Builders. 
know that the burn, that chafing is directly connected to the harvest. It's the fight for the extension of the kingdom of heaven. It's because of what's coming. That's why there's a contention. So lift up your eyes, friends, and see that the harvest is ripe. Remember the harvest as you give. Remember the harvest whilst you break through ceilings of giving, whilst you break through contention, whilst you break through resistance. Let the harvest be what you carry in your heart. Remember the harvest. That is why. That is why it is ripe. And speaking of the harvest being ripe, I just want us to remember our our neighborhood. You know, as a church, we do a lot of beautiful corporate things. But I want to ask you, who is there in your sphere of influence that could come into the company of this church? Uh, I feel like last Sunday, my friend here was on the altar. I prayed for you Sunday morning. Yeah, and Victoria stood with you on Sunday. Do you know Victoria? Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know how you came to be here, but I thought, Thank you, Victoria, in that moment for seeing my friend and for standing with you. And, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking I've never prayed for you like that before, and that was very powerful, and I'm so glad that you're here. And, you know, we need to be seeing who is in our neighborhood. Victoria saw you and hosted you in that moment. Friends, can we remember who's in our sphere of influence? Because there are many on, in our street that we need to remember to invite to the house of God. And I thought myself, gosh, who have I invited lately to church? We got, gosh, we got to, we've got to reawaken. The house will be filled as we remember the one who lives in our neighborhood, the one who lives in our street. And, you know, just last week I invited back a girl who lives in my neighborhood who used to come to my Connect group, used to come to some Every Woman events, and she's coming back to my Connect group. I remembered her. I saw her again, even though it's been many months since she's been in the house of God, been in this church. Can we remember, friends? Can we keep some margin to invite those ones? Somebody invited you once upon a time. Can we return the favor for someone else and make way? Come on, let's thank Jesus in this place today. So vision builders are the way makers, the trailblazers, the establishers of his kingdom, working against the self-serving rhythms of this world to drive in the tent pegs, to enlarge the borders. This is who we are, non-conformist to the dull, sleepy drift of the world. No, we are revolutionaries. And we're not just thinking of ourselves. We're thinking of the generations to come. We're thinking of our sons and daughters. We're making a way. We're building a house that the little ones will grow up in and know the name of Jesus, know his love, know his power. It's not just for us, it's for generation after generation to come, many others to experience the power of his goodness. Amen. These offerings stretch us to live beyond ourselves. This is what it is to be a vision builder, to make a contribution, sowing seed into great kingdom exploits that are bigger than us that will outlive us. I just pray that our hearts would be completely awakened to the opportunity that we have. We are all invited in on this train, this vision building train. You know, step one, yes, come to the dinner. Hands up if you've been to Vision Builders Dinner before. That is so good. And I really believe that's a great place to just first understand what Vision Builders really is. To hear the vision is so important and we really would encourage you to come and experience it. Absolutely, step one, come to the dinner. Catch the heart of the house. 
It's when our hearts are moved that we engage, isn't it? But more importantly, step two then is to actually consider before the Lord your part in it. And you know, next Sunday we're going to hear from Pastor Phil. He's going to pour out the vision for us. But I would encourage you to prayerfully consider before the Lord what your part could be. Even between now and then, it's better not to hustle in a moment, but to prayerfully consider, get a sense of God's agreement on it, and then bring your stake in the ground, bring your contribution, and know that he's in with you. He's leaning in on that with you. And I want to encourage you, um, you know, to ask yourself, what can you bring? And rather than neglecting to engage, because sometimes we neglect to engage because we feel like our contribution isn't going to be significant enough. So actually, like truly, so we, we hover on this side of the threshold because our season is wanting and lacking and we feel like there must be a basic expectation that there's probably some expectation of me in order to get involved. Can I just be honest? This is like the human side of this whole thing. But can I encourage you, rather than neglecting to get involved, um, humble yourself enough to make a contribution, to make a pledge, and let it be humble if your circumstance is humble. Let it be humble but honourable because it's what you can do in this time. I remember as a college student, I pledged a couple of hundred bucks and it was massive for me at the time. I was a college student. All my finances went to my rent and to paying my fees and I had hardly any money left over even to buy clothing. Honestly, occasionally there'd be a token left and I'd go to the to those really cheap, um, beautiful Asian stores where you can get everything for like 10 bucks and I'd find a few pieces. And that was my, my reality as a college student. And I remember Friday nights would serve at youth and then we'd go down to this kebab place and it maybe cost eight, in, eight or nine bucks to buy a kebab. And honestly, the finances were so tight that maybe I'd buy a soft drink and I'd sip my drink whilst my friends had kebabs because I just did not have that extra amount and I'd go home and I'd have a bowl of cereal, you know, at the end of the night. That was the reality of that season. So in the humility of that season, to pledge a couple of hundred dollars was actually very significant and not easy. So in my humility, in the humility of my conditions, I still made an honourable choice to engage and to cross the threshold. And let me tell you, every season passes and changes. Everything is seasonal in this life. And so you'll find you'll cross over into another day, but your heart would have been engaged in the process. And that's very powerful. So allow your heart to be engaged. Take a step in, make a consideration, and God will honour you in that. He'll journey with you in that. I think of the widow bringing the might, bringing the token. It was all that she had. And it mattered before our God who sees. Amen. Come on, let's thank him here. All right, I just want to encourage you out of Jeremiah 1.11. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch or a shoot of an almond tree, the emblem of alertness and activity blossoming in late winter. Then said the Lord to me, you have seen well, for I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. I love what the scripture says, the emblem of alertness 
and activity. And what's happening in this house this morning is, is there is an undercurrent of the activity of heaven in our lives. It's like, an, it's like a constant activity that sometimes feels like it's down around our ankles. This, this activity of heaven, which has got to flow around our lives. And the, one of the purpose of coming to the house of God is that it brings that activity of heaven and our awareness of it from down underneath our ankles to the forefront of our attention. It actually shifts our attention to heaven's activity in our life from down in the background here, maybe overshadowed by, na- by natural circumstances, and it brings it front and center. It brings it into its rightful place, right in front of our eyes, and we begin to see the urgency of the hour, our imperative part within it, the fact that we matter in this wild, w- wide, worldwide story of Jesus in the earth. We all have a place within it. We, it sharpens our alertness and our activity. What I'm doing here this morning is I'm sharpening our alertness and our activity to what God is doing through us as C3 Silverwater and as vision builders, amen, because heaven never sleeps. He never sleeps on your watch. He never sleeps on your watch. He's got your family covered. He's watching you. He's hovering over you and he's hovering over his word to perform it in your life because this is the nature of our God. It talks about a shoot of an almond tree in that scripture. And you know, many times the beginning of a provision is a branch or a shoot. It's a bud. It's a beginning. And it's interesting, one of the seasons of the cherry blossom is called dormant. And you know, as the temperature continues to drop, the tree enters a period of rest that lasts through December and early January. Isn't that interesting that cherry blossom trees are holidaying the same time that we are? Who would have thought in our summer barbecue season, they also are having a time of rest. Even the cherry blossom deserves a summer break. <laughs> But for a dormant spur, the cold temperatures that the tree is exposed to help with the development of the fruit buds. The tree requires a certain amount of moisture and chilling hours to come out of dormancy. Almonds generally need five to 600 chill hours. And the timing of the bloom is dependent upon the amount of chilling hours received. In fact, later blooming are affected by insufficient winter chilling. In the case of the blossom, it appears that winter forms the harvest. And I would say our winter hones and forms our harvest. You know, in seasons of confinement, budgetary restrictions, the beautiful time about those seasons is it develops value for our harvest. We don't look at our harvest with familiarity or with fickleness or let it run through our fingers. Rather, we consider it a gift, what we do have. 1 Corinthians 9.10 says, Or does he speak certainly and entirely for our sakes? Assuredly, it is written for our sakes because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher ought to thresh in expectation of partaking of the harvest. And I want to ask in this place today, who is who is plowing without hope and who is threshing without expectation here today? Because I believe the Lord would like to recover our sense of hope and expectation here today. 
And the thing is, sometimes if we're, if we're plowing in the dark, if we're threshing in the dark, and the season seems perpetually unending, our winter seems to have extended and overshadow sometimes our, our hope and our expectation. Gets a little dull, gets a little dismayed, but today I want to call forth a greater sense of hope. Call forth a greater sense of expectation in this place today. Revive some expectation. Revive some hope in this place today. We're not stuck. The season will end. Everything is for a time and every season must shift and clock over and in. Our winter is but a passing season. And here's what gives me comfort. He is Lord of our harvest. Matthew 9 encourages us to ask to speak to the Lord of our harvest. And you know, the highest authority over our life is not debt. It's not our boss. It's not our circumstances. It is the Lord of the harvest. He proceeds over our finances. He proceeds over our circumstances. He is Lord of our harvest. He has the greatest wishes to bless, to expand, to increase the store of our households, that our children would be blessed, that a legacy of prosperity would flow from generation to generation. This is the nature of our God. He is Lord of our harvest and His blessing is poured out from generation to generation in Jesus' mighty name. And Jeremiah said in that scripture that the Lord is watching over my word to perform it. You know, he hovers over our promises. What has he promised you that is not yet fulfilled? Let me tell you, he hovers and he waits. He looks the Lord of the harvest over that word to fulfill it. This is what the scripture says. In fact, when the angel Gabriel met with Zechariah and tells him of the conception and the call of John the Baptist. Thanks, gorgeous. reads in Luke 1:19 the angel said to him I am Gabriel I stand in the presence of God and I have been spent, sent to speak to you and tell you this good news I am Gabriel I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news you know the angels were not just a thing of biblical times if the Lord is hovering over His Word to perform it. I also believe that there are angels in our midst assigned to us, to minister to us, to, to give us strength, to intervene between heaven and earth on our behalf. Can I just remind us that spiritual activity is completely real and relevant, just as it was then, as it is today. In fact, the, um, the angels came to Jesus in, in Matthew 4.11 after the temptation, after His wilderness experience, after His winter experience, the angels come and it, and it says that they ministered to him. And I know this to be true of my God. If you're in a wilderness time, if you're in a winter season, he'll send his angels to meet with you, to declare his goodness, to minister to you, just as they did his son. Just as Gabriel came to bring a messenger, a foreteller of the life of John the Baptist, we too will be ministered to and it will give us strength. Amen. The Lord of the harvest stands over His Word to perform it. I'm going to read the lyrics to a song here this morning as I finish. It's called Seasons by Hillsong. 
says, Like the frost on a rose, winter comes for us all. Oh, how nature acquaints us with the nature of patience. Like a seed in the snow, I've been buried to grow. For your promise is loyal. From seed to sequoia. Though the winter is long, even richer, the harvest it brings. Though my waiting prolongs even greater. Your promise for me, like a seed, I believe that my season will come. Lord, I think of your love like the low winter sun. As I gaze, I am blinded in the light of your brightness. Like a fire to the snow, I'm renewed in your warmth. Melt the elf ice of this wild soul till the barren is beautiful. I can see the promise. I can see the future. You're the God of seasons. I'm just in the winter. If all I know of harvest is that it's worth my patience, then if you're not done working, God, I'm not done waiting. You can see my promise even in the winter because you're the God of greatness. Even in a manger, for all I know of seasons, is that you take your time. You could have saved us in a second. Instead, you sent a child. Can I ask everyone to stand across this auditorium today? And I believe there are a number of people actually that need their hope for the harvest restored. They need their expectation for the threshing restored in this place today. And I wanna ask you to lift your hand right across this auditorium, those ones that need their, their hope and their expectation lifted here a little today. Some of you feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm in a bit of a financial winter. I'm in a bit of a seasonal winter and I need to see a flicker of a flame of hope for the promise that the Lord of the harvest stands over His Word to fulfill it here today. So I want you to lift your hands nice and high, those ones that really need the intervention of a God who sees them here today. I thank You, Lord, You see every circumstance. You see every financial situation. I thank You, Lord, You lack nothing. You lack for nothing. You lack for nothing. I thank You, Lord, hope arises in this place here today. Hope arises in the the hearts of the saints here today, right now. There is a, there's a seeds dropping in hearts. Hope, strategy, expectation, lifting. Hope, strategy, expectation, lifting in hearts right across this room in Jesus' mighty name. And I just thank you, Lord, that your angels have ministered to us today where there's been an extension to our hope, where we've had to, to linger and lag and wait and wait and wait. And we've grown weary in our waiting. I pray, Lord, an impartation of strength and courage for the saints here today that they would know that you are hovering over it until the day of completion. This is who you are. You're a faithful God. You never tire to stand with us. You never tire to breathe hope into us. This is who you are. And so we lift you up in this place and we let expectation arise in this place right now. We're taking a hold. We're taking a hold of all you have for us in this place today. And we bless you in this place today. Praising you, Lord. Worshipping you. 